lock and load. This is Steve Dace. The Steve Dace Show. And greetings. Happy Tuesday. Welcome to the Steve Dace Show. Live and on demand on Blaze TV, radio, and podcast. Steve Dace here alongside Todd Erzin and Aaron McIntyre. 888-900-3393 is the number here at the Blaze. 888-900-3393. You can also let us know what you think about what we think via the SteveDace.com inbox. Email the program. Steve at SteveDace.com. That's D-E-A-C-E if you're listening on the radio or podcast today. You can also like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter at Steve Dace Show. And if you're not yet a subscriber to Blaze TV, first of all, if you're not, what are you waiting for? But if you're not yet one and you want some samples of the show to maybe change your mind or convince you that now is the time and, and share with other people, go to youtube.com slash Steve Dace. That's youtube.com slash Steve Dace. Coming up a little bit later on today, at the bottom of the hour, we're going to do some Pop Culture Tuesday about something I anecdotally saw this weekend with churches in my home state opening up and talking to some of the pastors at these churches, I'm wondering if we are seeing an evolution in the American Protestant church, especially. We're going to talk about that coming up at the bottom of the hour. Next hour, we're going to play our weekly game of fake news or not. And then we're going to introduce you. I I get emails, tons of them. Um, all the time uh, since this crisis began from business owners, small business owners, mid-sized business owners. Um, I, I don't know if we're going to make it. How do we survive? What do we do? I'm going to introduce you to a buddy of mine who's not just a pro-life activist, but he's also in, in the same boat. A lot of you in our audience are in, and he's coming up with creative ways uh, to, to hold up during this difficult time economically and maybe encourage other people. So we're going to talk to him about that coming up a little bit later on today. But before we get to all of that, here is Aaron's rundown of what happened while we were away. What happened while we were away? Brought to you by Roses Are Red. Hydroxychloroquine is a hit. Many, many are taking it. I happen to be taking it. President Trump says he's taking the anti-malarial drug as a prophylactic against the Wuhan coronavirus. Hydroxychloroquine. When? Right now, yeah. Yeah, when? A couple of weeks ago, I started taking it. Because I think it's good. I've heard a lot of good stories. And if it's not good, I'll tell you right. I'm not going to get hurt by it. Fox News' Neil Cavuto, your thoughts? If you are in a risky population here and you are taking this as a preventative uh, treatment to ward off the virus, or in a worst case scenario, you are dealing with the virus, and you are in this vulnerable population, it will kill you. I cannot stress enough. This will kill you. In New Jersey, police made a visit to a gym that had reopened against that state's continued lockdown orders when suddenly America happened. Normally, you are all in violation of the executive order. On that note, on that note, have a good day. Everybody be safe. California Governor Gavin Newsom said this just 12 days ago. Yeah, on the sports question, it's uh, it's difficult uh, to imagine a stadium that's filled until we have immunity, until we have a vaccine. Uh, it's difficult for me to imagine what the league 
broadly leagues do uh, when one or two of their uh, key personnel or players are tested positive. Yesterday, he made this announcement. Uh, sporting events, uh, pro sports, uh, in that first uh, week or so of June without spectators and modifications and very uh, prescriptive conditions uh, also can begin uh, to move forward. Texas Governor Greg Abbott announced professional sports can resume in his state beginning May 31st. The University of Notre Dame has announced they're reopening their campus this fall with classes beginning in early August. A judge in Oregon has halted that state's continued coronavirus restrictions. Late Monday, however, the Oregon Supreme Court sided with Governor Kate Brown, saying the restrictions on businesses and households will remain intact. An inventor has developed a face mask, which allows you to eat by squeezing a lever. A restaurant in Maryland has developed social distancing tables, which is essentially a table inside of a large inner tube. In non-coronavirus stupid news, New York Times headline, Believe All Women is a Right-Wing Trap, How Feminists Got Stuck Answering for a Canard. The United Nations tweets, What you say matters. Help create a more equal world by using gender-neutral language if you're unsure about someone's gender or are referring to a group. Attached to that tweet was a graph of what you should use to replace masculine words. Instead of mankind, say humankind. Instead of chairman, say chair. Instead of boyfriend or girlfriend, say partner. Partner, and you get the idea. Learning Arabic today, today's phrase is hijab is protection from sin. And finally, a terrible segue to today's final story. One of the giants of Christian apologetics over the last half century has passed away. Ravi Zacharias lost his battle with cancer at the age of 74. Zacharias, known for his incredible fusion of truth and philosophy with storytelling, has been engaging in debates and arguments over the most pressing issues our world has faced for decades. But during a talk at Penn State University in 2005, he offered a word of warning for Christians who are too eager to argue for the sake of arguing. The Christian has to learn that it is not only his or her message, but also his or her method. If the method is in violation of the message, the people see it very quickly. I have found more people objecting to the Christian than they really do to Jesus Christ. When you exalt the beauty of Christ, I tell you what, no one ever lived like him. No one ever spoke like him. No one was ever so compassionate to sinners as he was. No one ever welcomed the outcasts as he did. He set the law on a higher plane, but his mercy was also in proportion and keeping with it. He knows how to humble us without humiliating us and how to lift us up without flattering us. He gives you the true essential nature of your worth. There are places and settings in which you stand up and defend the faith. There are places and settings in which you know it is inappropriate. There are people are hungry. It's how we do it. And sometimes we blow it. Sometimes I've walked away and said I ought not to have put it that way. So just be wise, be careful, and God will honor your faith. And that's what happened while we were away. 
We're going to be discussing the legacy of Ravi Zacharias today in the overtime. If you're a Blaze TV subscriber, it'll be up there for you later today at blazetv.com slash dace, D-E-A-C-E. If you're not yet a Blaze TV subscriber and you'd like to get a discounted subscription, you can go there today as well so that you don't miss that overtime and all of the other exclusive content we produce every day here at Blaze TV, blazetv.com slash dace. Uh, by the way, is it man within humankind? Yeah, I think so. Human, isn't there a masculine word inside of humankind? Sure, let's run with that. All right. Aaron's Montage, otherwise brought to you by ExpressVPN. You've heard me talk about how important it is to have a VPN. And now a lot of us are working from home, so it's even more important to choose that VPN that you can trust. And I like to do my research on our sponsors and only do my best. You can't have a perfect record because nobody's perfect. But do my best to recommend brands to my listeners that I believe in that I would also use. And I have been using ExpressVPN for well over a year. So I've got plenty of confidence in them. Uh, it doesn't log your data. Lots of really cheap or free VPNs make money. Uh, the reason they're cheap and make that money is by selling that data of yours uh, to other companies. It's developed a technology called Trusted Server that makes it impossible for their servers to log any of your info just to make sure that uh, they are protected from their own uh, desires. And, and then the speed. I've tried. If you try other VPNs in the past, it may slow your your connection, make your device sluggish. Not so with ExpressVPN, and you can still stream HD quality videos with zero lag as well. All right, and something else that sets ExpressVPN apart from other VPNs, how easy it is to use. It'll take you five minutes tops to hook up to any of your devices. So protect yourself with the VPN that I use and trust. Use my link at expressvpn.com slash Steve today to get an extra three months for free on a one-year package. An extra three months for free on a one-year package at expressvpn.com slash Steve. Again, that's expressvpn.com slash Steve. All right, let's get to some of the, uh, a couple of the things that Aaron highlighted um, in his uh, in his montage today, and let let's start with the sports matter. Can we start there? Sure. And, and lefty blue check marks had a tough day yesterday. I mean, a really really tough day yesterday. Thoughts and prayers, indeed. Uh, go out. Um, and number one, you had Gavin Newsom announced that their hospitalizations and ICUs in California continue to drop. I know that. I know they took a big hit. On that one. My okay. secret hope is that the sign language chick right next to him is secretly saying, this guy is a total tool. He should be <laughs> impeached. Have you guys seen, oh, that reminds me, have you guys seen the meme going around of Gretchen Whitmer's sign language translator? Have you seen? No, so and, this is being and, uh, excellent. Yeah, and so our youngest daughter has learned it a little bit. So oh, cool. I, I don't know a lot about it, but she's learned a little sign language. Okay, like she could she could do like a sentence or two, you know, and she couldn't like read a book to you or anything like that. All right, but she's done a little bit of it in the past and and i've watched her communicate and, and and she's shown it to us and i've never seen her make some of the facial contortions that governor whitmer's um uh, sign language translator makes so it, 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 I, I now that could be required okay but i mean she's often like 
I mean, she's very demonstrative when she signs for Governor Another Whitmer. cost of the lockdowns, yeah. facial tics and sign yeah. language. And so there's this there's memes going around where people are, you know, given the environment we are in today, people are choosing to decide that she is providing her own little editorial, like, like Anthony Fauci was wearing the mask over yeah. Trump's shoulder outdoors the other day, <laughs> that Governor Whitmer's sign translator is, sign language translator is making her own little in, uh, editorial commentary while translating uh, what she has to say. I mean, some of these uh, screen caps are hilarious. Okay. That, but I, but, that's like Chris Christie with the French fries. I need that to be true, Steve. Yes. Yes. You know what? Let's do this. Let's get back to the sports thing in a minute. Because I, I want to spend a good portion of our time talking about it because it goes right into everything we told you was going to happen in the month of May is exactly what is happening. And what that means if, about the next couple of months on a broader scale beyond sports. But there are there are three linchpins to a macro reopening of America, meaning when the, the psyche of the country will largely be things are back to open uh, and things are back to normal churches, schools and sports. Those are the three linchpins. When people see those things returning, by and large, a lot of the macro psyche associated with the virus, people are going to be like, well, then I guess it's OK. All right. But since we did this with Chris Cuomo. I think it is only fair to ask this question where the president is concerned, okay? Remember when Chris Cuomo came out and said he, was, he had COVID-19 and we were like, well, like Gretchen Whitmer's sign language translator. Yeah, really? Sure. You know what I'm saying? Okay. I mean, maybe he did, maybe he didn't. But, but there's at least prima facie evidence that CNN doesn't always tell the truth and isn't always on the up and up, right? So, yes. Yeah. Okay. Do you guys think it's possible that Donald Trump has never taken an hydroxychloroquine pill? Oh, I thought the you were going with a troll of all time. You think it's possible he's never taken one? Oh yeah, I thought you were going with a different direction. Okay. I thought you all were right. going to say, "I do you think it's possible he really has COVID and he's not telling somebody?" Oh, the president? Yeah, which would yeah. be a much bigger question. Yeah, yeah, it would be a much oh, bigger yeah, question. Oh yeah, lying about taking that for sure. You think it's possible that he is lying about taking the medicine? Absolutely. Okay, what? Why? Tell me why. Because he's Donald Trump. <laughs> What, what did you think I was going to say? As soon as I asked that, I'm like, <laughs> no! Like, I mean, to bring it back. I mean, it's yeah. the okay. perfect troll, though. I mean, you, you That's think about it. That's the other reason, it. yes. I mean, because he's Donald Trump. Yes. On yeah. the one hand, if, yeah, he doesn't, the if he doesn't column. get sick, on the one hand, if he doesn't get sick, then that kind of anecdotally proves that it works, which right. blows up people's minds. Right. And then on the other hand, they can just uh, appear like they're cheering for the president's demise, which is another day that ends in Y. So, so... I like Neil Cavuto, always have. Yeah, that was weird. But Neil, dude, the drug has been approved for human consumption by the FDA. It's kind of ironic that this all came out the same day that uh, Ken Osmond died yesterday. Eddie Haskell, yeah, did yeah. you see that? Eddie Haskell died? Yeah. Yeah. Remember the year that Leave it to Beaver debuted on television? Like the 50s? 1955, which is an, also the year that the FDA approved hydroxychloroquine for human consumption. 1955. 1955. Now you can clearly take it in a bad sure. way. But sure. It's, you can take a combination like, of any prescription yes, drugs exactly. and get something bad. I think with this one, is it erythromycin uh, that you're telling you not to take it with or something like that? Okay. Yes. Um, in, as a general practice. But, but in, as, a, as a standalone human consumption, it has been approved by the FDA. Since 1955, before most homes had a television set, before any home had a color television set, 
back when Ward was still being hard on the Beaver last night, 1955. All right. I think that's when Michael J. Fox went back to the future. 1955, Dwight Eisenhower, president of the United States, 1955 was when the FDA approved this drug for human consumption. And Neil is on television. You're killing yourself, sir. Come on, man. Really? We're doing that now? You're killing yourself with a drug that's been FDA approved since 1955. Like I said, it was weird. I don't know if he's just got some sort of weird, unexplainable personal thing there. And, and, and here's the other thing, too. If, if, if you hate Trump and you are convinced that this drug is a farce, it may be. There's been plenty of trials going back and forth on this. I haven't rendered any verdict. I've been waiting to see. Is it, is it South Dakota? The, the, the first statewide trial in April, and we don't have the results of that yet that I've seen. So I'm, I'm waiting to see what Christine Ohm uh, releases when, uh, with her statewide trial that they did in April. Okay, But I have no idea whether it's uh, efficacious for, for coronavirus or not. All right? and because the whole damn thing's so politicized that I don't even know the, the, the studies sometimes whether or not they're telling us the truth either way. People de desirous to uh, debunk Trump and desirous to, you know, uh, to affirm him. But that notwithstanding, if you hate Trump and you're convinced this drug will hurt people, why are you scorning Trump for taking it? It would seem to me that you'd be gleeful that he is. I mean, this could potentially be the ultimate killing two birds with one stone, if you know what I'm saying. I mean, if you hate Trump and you think the drug is dangerous, why, why in the world are you not cheering this on? You've why, already why, answered why, this. Why would you be scornful of this? Well, this is just a microcosm of what you already answered. Didn't we talk about this last week or the week before about if the Democrats had just been sane about coronavirus in general they or, 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 or virtually or anything. anything but particularly yeah. here yeah. at the 11th sort of the, ele the 2020 the election is nigh yeah they could have buried him by now but they they can't they won't it's not possible for them to intellectualize this the way you just did i i mean if i were a lefty i'd be sending trump hydroxychloroquine pills I mean, I, I don't, I don't understand the impulse of. I think the drug is bad for people, and and I think Hitler is in the White House, and I'm mad that he's taking something that I think would harm him. I, I would think that you would, I mean, you guys would be like, I mean, I, I don't know why you're not, you know, chalking one up there and saying, hey, the universe, Gaia has spoken, we win again. I mean, I, I don't know why you're. I, I can think of one reason why you'd be upset that he's taking it. Because it, it, it might prove efficacious. Nah, that's probably not it. Do you think that's it? I don't think that's it, right? No, they just have a, yeah. They're a just deep, it's concern trolling. Deep concern yeah, I'm sure that's what it is. I'm president. sure it's just concern. Yes. All right. So let's get to the sports yesterday. A couple of key things happened yesterday that have far reaching broader implications for America and reopening. Let's start with Gavin Newsom. Competition. It wins every time it is tried. I remember when we first moved, when I first moved back to Des Moines after failing out of college because they didn't give degrees for playing an entire season of Super Tecmo Bowl for a semester and not attending a single class. I'm a victim, wasn't in the student handbook. Nobody told me ahead of time, all right? So I moved back here. I'm just got to start my life over and do what really any self-respecting 20-something does when I flunk out of school and they can't move back home. I moved into my grandmother. And um, I remember trying to go to the movies one day. First, well, the first week back here. And I tried to go to a movie in the middle of the week, in the middle of the day in Des Moines, Iowa. 
and there was not a single movie theater open in the middle of the week, in the middle of the day. I couldn't believe you couldn't go to a matinee during the week in Des Moines. And like one company, Carmike Cinemas, owned like all of the movie theaters in town at the time. And during the week, you couldn't go, they, they didn't open up until like six o'clock in the evening. I'd never heard of anything like that in a, in a city. I mean, there's a half a million people that live in this golden circle area and you could not go to a movie on a Tuesday at, at one o'clock. I mean, what's a loser 20 something with no job living with his grandmother? What was I supposed to do with the rest of my time? Once again, a victim. Okay? It yes. just never stops. The victimizations just continue until morale improves. Yes. All right. And, and then a couple of years later, and then you go to the theaters, man, and a lot of them are like run down and you guys didn't have stadium seating here. I mean, like this, I'm like, this is like the worst place in America to go to the movies. And then the Des Moines City Council began flirting with um, having, I think it was Regal Cinemas come in and redo like our Court Avenue business district downtown here and put in restaurants and a brand new state-of-the-art theater with an IMAX. And lo and behold, <laughs> who knew? The Carmike family that owned all the theaters in Des Moines suddenly went to one, the mall on one side of town and then they went out to the, one of the suburbs, Urbandale Johnston, and built a state-of-the-art stadium theater back in the late 90s. Just, just a hint of competition. And they suddenly decided they actually needed to invest in their resources. And you could go to this theater all day long. That theater was open all day, even during the weekday. See, that's what competition does. And what's happened to good old Gavin Newsom, folks? Gavin Newsom isn't rocking a movie star hair cut like that. Because he, he goes to one of the barber shops over at Bernie's Gulag. Okay. No. See, everybody wants the lockouts. To, can I give you a dirty little secret? Everybody wants the lockouts to end. Even Jay Inslee in Washington State, he does too. The athletic director at the state's largest institution, University of Washington, was on the radio this morning in Seattle. We're still trying to make the football season happen, still trying to get Michigan to come out here and play our season opener for national TV while Jay Inslee's out there doing a King George III impersonation. Let me just tell you the dirty little secret here. Everybody wants the lockdowns to end, but they all want them to end at their preferred political price point. So Gavin Newsom went from, on Sunday, I'm on with Jake Tapper, and the schools in California may never open again. Remember that? Remember? Yes. Yeah, because it was only 24 hours before he said what he said yesterday. <laughs> I remember so it all, So Sunday Steve. goes on CNN with Jake Tapper, the schools in California. Main, right after he tweets, hospitalizations and ICUs continue to decline in California, but the schools may never open again. 24 hours later, we're going to have sports. Go Rams, go Chargers. Sports, We're go see Lakers. Those new wretched Rams uniforms. Yes, we are. All. Sports coming back here to California. Have a nice summer. Now, why did that happen? Because Ron DeSantis last Thursday, the governor of Florida. Hey, if your state doesn't want to let you open, we got plenty of space for you here. Come to Florida. Because Doug Ducey over there in Arizona, pro sports, back in Arizona starting in, on Saturday. An hour, literally, this happened an hour. After Greg Abbott in Texas said sports, including football, back in Texas. And there's Gavin Newsom. One day, because life comes at you fast, bro, when you're facing competition.
One day after telling Jake Tapper what he wanted to hear, that the schools in California may never open again, or at least until the glorious vaccine descends on high from Gilead or any other big pharma that they probably haven't actually sufficiently human trialed, but they're all in a race to get the first commercial out with the 27-second um, disclaimer first. All right, Until said miracle descends. Schools just can never open in California again. 24 hours later, we will be uh, having sports coming back to California. We look forward to a return to normalcy. Yeah. See, that's what, that's what competition does. <laughs> Gavin Newsom reached a price point that he could no longer afford. He could not abide whatever, whatever political benefit he's getting from keeping the schools in California closed outweighed by the prospect of watching the Rams play in Arizona, Florida, or Texas this fall. And what that was going to mean for him. And so he reached his price point. My price point was, I can't, that, that headline we can't have. Can't, can't let that happen. Can't let LeBron James out. Can't be doing that. So we'll see you in a month. That's what competition does. That's why they've been shaming Georgia, Sweden, all these countries and states. The, the shaming was to, to have them not set what the market would be for reopening. So they could all get their political price point. What did I tell you all along their political price point was going to be? Massive bailout from the feds. Didn't I tell you that all along? That would be the bail, that would be the price point for their reopening in these blue states, blue states. A massive bailout from the feds. But now the problem is several of these red states are moving more aggressively aren't going with the program. And so the market now is shifting. The market is changing. And Gavin Newsom cannot afford to hold completely out for that big bailout from the sky. Because if he does, he's going to lose his rear end on the back end. And so that's why he has to relent. And, and if you think you're living in one of these blue state tyrant dictatorships, you're not. This is a game of leverage. All of your blue state governors that are trying to put your boot to your throat are trying to angle for a massive federal bailout. That's why you need to reset the market and disobey and defy and say, no, we're not going to let you hold us hostage for a bailout with more fake money. We want our lives back, but thank you. And just defy. That's what you need to do. Just defy. And then with what Notre Dame did. See, here's the, here's the angle that with the Notre Dame story you're not being told. Notre Dame doesn't have to do this. Did you see what they did? They reconfigured their entire fall academic semester. Not going to have the fall break. None of that. They reconfigured their entire academic fall semester. Why did they do that? They could have just kept all those students at home. If they're, if they're so concerned about a potential respread with coming back together, then just keep everybody at home. Why do whatever you can to get the fall semester in before flu season begins? In earnest, why would you do that? Well, there's only one reason you would do that. Football. The only reason you would do it. Because you need kids on campus in order to justify having a football season. And because the virus is bad, but it's not apocalyptic, but not having a football season is an apocalyptic event for every university athletic department in this country. They are all toast, zero summed without a football season. Even Notre Dame, a private school with its billion dollar annuity sitting there in a bank in Zurich somewhere that a public nonprofit university doesn't have, even Notre Dame cannot afford to not have a football season. And so even Notre Dame was forced to move heaven and earth, reconfigure its entire academic calendar to fit one in. Which tells you that they were going to have a season like I told you all along.
because they couldn't afford not to all along. Because the only way they could justify not doing it is if the apocalypse of the virus was going to be worse than the apocalypse caused by not having a football season. Because it's not just football, it's everything the athletic department does. It's that big donor whose who's daughter's on the gym, gymnastics team, she gone too. Everybody's gone. Their diversity programs, they take all these foreign exchange students to be on the women's rowing team. They're all gone. Everything gone. Everything is literally gone. And Notre Dame yesterday showing it is willing to reconfigure its entire academic calendar in order to make sure a football season takes place. And they're the only school with a billion dollar annuity and a major television network handing them money directly with no sharing of another conference, just them individually. And even they showed you yesterday they could not withstand not having a football season. They couldn't survive. And so if Notre Dame can't survive, then no one else can. No, the Pac-12 can't survive, no matter what Jay Ansley or Gavin News, they're all going to play too, mark my words. They might be def- redefined schedules, they might be con- conference only, they might be local provincial, but they're all going to play as many games as they can because Notre Dame let the cat out of the bag yesterday they were the first they were the first to move and they showed in the end they whatever the cost is of playing is not even close to the cost of not doing so thoughts on that yeah South Carolina actually did the exact same thing they reconfigured their their uh, their academic year to end at the beginning of December what also ends at the beginning of December that would be the regular season for college football exactly and i don't think this is something that we can understate enough because all of the under women's underwater basket weaving that's paid for by football every everything everything all of the olympics everything is paid for by football and just lest you say and then we're all football fans here on this show lest you say well you just want you're just cheering for your no this is this is an economic driver for all of those economic ecosystems surrounding those campus uh, and those those states a lot of these states uh, college football is basically the only show in town for about a quarter of the year a lot of these states like Iowa our home state of Iowa doesn't have a pro team the only thing in town that is the economic driver for so many other ancillary businesses is football as well getting rid of that in its various forms, would be an absolutely, as you said, devastating and apocalyptic event. When we come back, Pop Culture Tuesday, we're going to look at whether or not the paradigm is changing right in front of us within the American Protestant Church. More on that in a moment. You know, Patriot Mobile is going above and beyond the call of duty to help you stay in touch with your loved ones during this difficult time by lowering their prices even further. And right now, their U.S.-based team is standing by to design your customized mobile family plan starting as low as $25 a month. And Patriot Mobile shares your values. So they never charge you hidden fees. And unlike Big Mobile, they don't send your hard-earned money to Planned Parenthood or gun grabbers or any other leftist causes either. So you get the same reliable nationwide service and support a company that shares your values supports our constitution and puts people before profits switching is easy you can keep your phone number bring your own phone or even buy a new one and right now when you join their family of freedom loving americans at patriot mobile they'll leave or they'll waive your activation fee plus they'll offer you a free gift with the offer code steve so they'll waive the activation fee 
plus a free gift, plus their lowest rates ever. When you go to patriotmobile.com slash Steve, that's patriotmobile.com slash Steve, or give them a call at 972-PATRIOT. That's 972-PATRIOT. Let's get to Pop Culture Tuesday when we look at the intersection between pop culture and conservatism. And I'm, this is going to sound a little provincial and parochial, but um, I'm, I'm wondering, and one of the reasons I'm throwing this out there is feel free to let me know in my inbox if you're wondering or seeing the same trend in your home state. So this weekend was the first weekend. Well, it's actually been a, since the first of May that the governor said, "Hey, I, I you know, once we're we're past an emergency situation, and I don't have the authority to keep people with First Amendment freedoms open. I'm not the governor of Oregon, basically. Once we get past an emergency situation, I have to, you know, relent to some extent. We're not in an emergency situation in Iowa, so you know, I, I can't keep telling churches once my authority has been." Been achieved, um, I can't exceed it by keeping you closed. Now, I would ask you to do your best to social distance with the CDC guidelines and things of that nature, but it's but it's actually been for a couple of weeks in Iowa that all the churches could be open. But m- since every county in our state did not open until Friday the 15th, this weekend was the first time that really every church in, in the state made the determination of whether to open or not. Because a lot of people felt, uh, you know, ministry I attend, yours, I think, had the same conversation, Aaron. Correct. You know, if we're in a county that's not open, you know, how does it look if we oh, go ahead and open up and, and, and the rest of the county isn't? And I get that concern. So this weekend was the first time the entire state, everything, for the most part, except for like movie theaters, was open for business. So this was the first weekend that all churches made the decision of whether or not to reopen. And when I saw at our church... All right, so we go to a, uh, an EV free church here in a Des Moines suburb that has, I think, around three to four thousand uh, per Sunday at one of its four services: one on Saturday night, um, and then or per weekend, one on Saturday night and three on Sunday. Saturday night was still virtual. Sunday, all three um, services you could attend in person, but they were limited to the the cafe that we have on our campus. And our chapel, not our main auditorium, because those are two places where it was easiest to implement social distancing. And I, and I want to say it was 50 or 70 people max could attend each of these services at each of these locations. So we always go to the 930. That's the main service at our church. Before COVID-19, it's, it's packed to the gills, as standing room only, every weekend, no matter what. We get there on Sunday and... I think I counted 35 people in the chapel area that we attended. And I don't know who were over at the cafe across the street on our campus, but looking at the cars and the lot, I'm guessing it's probably similar. And this is the main attended service at our church. I talked to a few other people uh, that, uh, that, uh, about their churches, a couple other pastors I know. Um, saw something similar, not a giant hurry for people to go back. And before I get to some other things, Aaron, what did you see at your guys' church this weekend? 
Well, pro- pleasantly surprised with the, the turnout. I mean, it was probably around the same number of people, maybe a, a few more, uh, but it was, you know, socially distanced. It was only every other pew. There was an additional service for those uh, seniors and those at risk. And um, so two services for uh, kind mm-hmm. of the general uh, population of the church and then one for at risk. And I don't know what the other services looked like, but about, I would say, similar numbers, probably a few more people in the auditorium. Okay. There's a reason why I'm not asking Todd. That's he's going to have a separate. We're going to have a separate conversation with him in a minute as a Catholic. All right. So, talking to a couple of pastors in our state that I know, what I've been told is, and and there's a variety of church size. One of them has kind of a smaller community church that I talk to. A few others though have some of the larger churches in their communities around our state. They also noticed a hesitancy about coming back this weekend. But here's the other thing, though. The, the YouTube podcast download numbers for the last couple of months are by far the highest they have ever had. I believe this is true at our, the church that we attend as well. And the giving has been outstanding at each of these congregations, too. So the reason why that last part is important is because when you look at a hesitancy to return, some of it could be fear, right? I mean, the older you are, the more likely you are to go to church. The younger you are, the less likely you are. And the older populations are more vulnerable, right? Particularly in a packed setting, all right? So that's a factor. But... Well, Steve, could it speak to an overall lack of desire for the church's message? Except, see, I think the answer to that is not true. Because you're seeing traffic numbers are massive. I hope my pastor's okay with me saying this. He didn't tell me I could not. But at Valley Church, we had far more people tune in to our Easter service online than would ever attend in person. And we're a large church with three to four K every Sunday. And so, you know, on an Easter Sunday, man, you know, that's maxed out. And we had far more people tune in to watch virtually than ever would have attended. I've been told our giving at our church is fine. Good even. I've been told this at several other churches around the state. So I don't think it's lax about church in general on the Protestant side. I'm wondering if we went ahead and said, we said to the community, you know, being here in person is really not essential. And since the, the liturgy at a Protestant church is going to be different than the mass at a Catholic church, for example, um, a lot of people are like, well, yeah, you're right. I can give online. I can listen to the, the same message at home. I don't have to hassle with bringing the kids in, getting them up early, dressed, spit polished to make it look like, you know, that everybody here likes each other. <laughs> right? I don't have to do any of that. I can still give. Um, and I can listen to the sermon. The, you know, the, the worship's not the same, but I can always, how many, how many contemporary Christian music stations are there out there? And you had Amazon music and iTunes yep. and everything else. So even the worship experience isn't unique anymore. You can do that in your car any day of the week that you want. 
And I wonder if on the Protestant side, we're going we're gonna to find out that people have determined, unless there's a special event, a special speaker that I want to meet in person, you're, it's a baptismal service or it's communion Sunday or something, unless it's one of those things, I, I can do this from home. I don't have to get up and go. And all of the other things that goes along with that when you have a kids and everything else. You have any thoughts on that, gentlemen? I would say my, my gut says one uh, beyond beyond just dismissing this as crazy voices. I'm not there. I'm I'm kind of cautious about this one. I, I still believe it's a little bit too early to tell. Right. And I'm and this is one but, weekend and I'm drawing in a massive extrapolation. Yes. Well, okay. yeah, but I, that's that's the point that I like. That's the point that I'm trying to make. Usually when you would draw a massive extrapolation, not that you do that, Steve, but I'm just saying in general, if you draw a massive extrapolation from one weekend, uh, I would be a lot quicker to dismiss this out of hand. I'm not so much with this one because I'm not totally when you look at when you look at the, the church in this country, I'm not totally sold that we necessarily go. I'm not totally sold on the reason that that most people go to church, the real reason versus the right reason. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? I'm not sure what that reason is. I'm not sure why people go to church. And we've talked about this before. I mean, it's not just, it's not just, uh, it's, it's not just going to check off the, to check a box. There is an experience we are told through scriptures and looking at the example of the early church and at the end of, uh, Acts chapter two. And, uh, we are, it's clear we are supposed to meet together. And one of the things that my pastor has made clear over the last two months is that we're not doing church right now. He said this, we're not doing church right now. He's been, made it very, very clear that meeting online, meeting online is not church. We're doing online teaching. We're producing content. And he did that for a very particular reason, which I thought was, I, I was pretty appreciative of. But you, you have to answer the question, why do most people go to church? Now, previously, I would have said it's probably, you know, as far as maybe the seeker-sensitive churches go, it's the experience of the worship service. Mm -hmm. You can listen to live music and things of that nature. And it's the it's that experience that they're that they're selling. Reading in between the lines, I don't want to go into too many details. Reading in between the lines at my church, I think it's far more likely that people are not coming because there is still concern and fear okay. about uh, about the virus. That's just reading in between the lines. I'm not sure if that's totally true, okay. but I think those are some of the things that we have to think about is why are, why do people come usually and why are they not coming now? I think the only answer that I can find to the latter question is that there's still some fear, which well, is disappointing, but understandable. It's early to even broach this question, but here's why I'm doing it. I'm laying it down now. Something to look at over the next few weeks, couple of months is it's rare, one, first of all, to get pastors tell you that their giving's fine, number one, especially in a crisis like this. And I'm hearing this from all kinds of people. Yep. And then I'm hearing that their traffic numbers are massive at the same time. So the crisis did draw people uh, back to church, just not physically there. And it's a culture that binge watches Netflix and everything else and can DVR every program and is used to doing things at, its, at a particular convenience. And so maybe we're watching 
an evolution of the Protestant church audience in America, or maybe we're just seeing an outlier event because people still aren't 100% secure about going to an indoor setting. We're going to find that out in the next few weeks, a yeah. couple of months. Now, on your side of the street, on the Catholic side, what I find fascinating as a, from a Protestant is you guys can't possibly do this virtually. Like, I don't even know what, what word and sacrament in the Catholic church looks like on a zoom call. Right. Correct. I mean, I mean that, that just, you just ripped the heart out of your entire worship experience, right. Doing it this way. Correct. Yet the diocese in our state anyway, seems like it's in no hurry to open back up at the exact same time. So it, it reconcile those two things to me. I, I would think it would be the Catholic side of this that would be the most concerned about remaining uh, uh, quote-unquote non-essential or unsafe. Well, it is, but it's far more top-down and a bishop, it's not a it's not a pastor's decision. It is a bishop's decision, mm -hmm. which means it's the every, you know, in the case of Iowa, there's four uh, dioceses you are in control of. I don't know how many. I think there's something like 75 Catholic churches in the Des Moines diocese. So, you know, you are running a corporation versus a store. So I, I, I just, I, you're right about that. But I, I actually don't think this is just a Catholic thing. I, I, I do think, I don't, I don't think you guys can do it either. And your point about compa comparing it to Netflix, I think makes it the, the closer we think we can get worship to watching Netflix's home is a sure way that a hundred years from now, we talk about even the evangelical church in the same light as we do uh, mainstream Protestantism. You, you, mm. you cannot, you must worship corporately. I mean, Aaron said as much, uh, but he, he, the extreme example within the Catholic church in the second century, St. Anthony, went out into the desert to leave an extremely ascetic lifestyle by himself. But he did it knowing full well that he became a rock star. People were going out to the desert to see. So he, even though he was in isolation, it was still relative to the entire church, him doing things in terms of a calling that is very unique. And that callings like that will always remain unique, but how we see them, confront them, make them a part of our lives, even in a small way. Well, the same Protestant or Catholic, you, 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 you cannot live in a, a way that is authentically kiss Christian and have it not be seen on any level. I totally agree. That's, That's why we were there in, the first weekend. Yeah, no, I know that yeah. I'm, I'm not, I don't, I, but I, so so I, I agree with you on my, on my individual level. That's why we were there the first week, but I, I, you know, I don't know that we're going to, the multitude is necessarily going to see it that way, but I could be wrong about that. Aaron could be right that this is just, people are slow to return. Who knows? Well, then we should, if, if it's, if they're slow to return for reasons other than fear, it is time for serious, unapologetic questions of what it means to be a Christian. Not like we're not uh, slow to bring up those questions, but you can't you can't just yeah. put it in neutral there in your living room and pull and I'm saved and that's it. Now on to the rest of my life. You, 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 you the world has overcome you. If you think that that's possible. Yeah, I, I don't know what is worse. I don't know if it's worse that people might be afraid of coming back or that uh, they're afraid. They're not afraid <laughs> of coming back. If mm. you see what I mean, yeah. you know, hey, I'm uh, enjoying being at home. I'm enjoying yeah. being at home. Yeah. That's a perfect and, way to put it. And I, yeah. I, I, I've said this many times because I see this a little bit differently because I've seen it so many times because of some of the people I've brushed shoulders with throughout my lifetime. I'm very careful not to just look at church as a box that needs to be checked, which is me, which means that the 
church. That, that's kind of what I mean, at least, when I say that the, the church is more than just the four walls. At the same time, those four walls meeting together, the, the together part, that is essential to our faith as well. And for the people who might justify staying at home using that argument, the church is not these four walls. Are they still going out and are and are, are they being the hands and feet of Jesus? Because that's usually what that means by the church is not these four walls. We're actually going to go out and do things. Are they still doing that or has the pandemic caused them to not do that? Do you see what I mean? Meaning you think that because if, 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 if I think that yeah. church is can, can be convenienced for me, you know, for an hour and a half on one one day a week, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. the likelihood in my spare time I'm giving any more time mm-hmm. exactly. inconveniences me is not high. Is that what I hear you saying? Yes. Yeah. That, that that could be something to watch as well. So it's early. Aaron's right. But I wanted us to have to to lay this marker down now and just to see if we're watching an evolution take place. When we come back, question. fake news or not, we'll kick off hour two right here on Blaze TV Radio and Podcast. Stay tuned. Greetings, back with Hour 2, live and on demand on Blaze TV, radio, and podcast. Steve Dace here with Todd Erzin and Aaron McIntyre, 888-900-3393 is the number. Steve at stevedace.com is how you can email us. Like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at Steve Dace Show. And if you are a podcast listener, if you wouldn't mind leaving us a five-star review if you haven't done so already. Heck, even if you have done so, leave us more. I'm not sure that's even allowed, but let's try it. Maybe it is, right? But if you're not yet somebody that's left us one of those five-star reviews. What are you waiting for? I mean, this is as good as it gets. Well, this is as good as we get. So, if if we haven't earned a five-star review from you yet, then I, I don't think it's possible because we, we can't be any better than we already aren't, right? So, leave us those five-star reviews because the more of those we get, the more it helps the show to grow. I don't know how it works. I'm just told this, apparently, that the more of you that like us, the more the algorithms like us, the more they help us find more people like you. I guess that's how it works. I don't know. That's just what I'm told to tell you. But I also could use all the personal affirmation that I could get. So, I, I like reading them. Actually, I haven't read any of them, but just keep them coming anyway. All right, coming up at the bottom of the hour, I've gotten emails from all kinds of business owners in our audience struggling with what to do during this unprecedented time. I'm going to talk to a buddy of mine who owns a business, and, uh, and, and he's, got, he's taken a unique approach on how to survive and thrive during this period of time. Plus, um, he's a committed pro-life activist as well, so we'll get into all of that coming up here at the bottom of the hour. See if we can find a little encouragement for everybody out there. But let's get to fake news or not, brought to you by Rough Greens. Here's something you might not know about your dog's food, that dry kibble stuff. There's nothing alive in it. You know how we're taking so many supplements nowadays as human beings because our food is processed and mass produced for mass consumption and long shelf lives. So we've got to take extra vitamin C, D, probiotics, uh, omega oils, and all that stuff because it's all out of our food. Same thing is happening with our pets as well. And that's where Rough Greens comes in. It's a premium dog food supplement. It is not a new dog food, all right? It's a powder that you sprinkle in with your dog's food, and apparently it tastes great because our dog, Cap, absolutely loves it. And it's loaded with vitamins, minerals, digestive enzymes, probiotics, omega oils, antioxidants, all the things your pet needs to promote uh, joint uh, health and improve mobility, youthful energy, healthy skin, coat, digestion, etc. If you want to try it, 14 days is what they recommend to get you jump-started. It's only $14.95 for that 14 
14-day jumpstart. When you go to roughgreens.com slash blaze, that's R-U-F-F for roughgreens.com slash blaze. Let's get to fake news or not. And of course, you know the ground rules here. We don't fact check enemy media anymore. No point fact checking MSNBC any more than there's a point in fact checking Russia today or Al Jazeera. But I repeat myself. No, we only stick with the news and news sources and people who claim to be bringing real news to those of us in what's left of America. And we begin here with the Attorney General of the United States essentially saying everybody gets off in this town. Now, as to President Obama and Vice President Biden, whatever their level of involvement, based on the information I have today, I don't expect Mr. Durham's work will lead to a criminal investigation of either man. Durham, I believe, is the U.S. attorney that uh, from the, the DOJ and, and AG Barr has farmed out investigating the roots of the Russian collusion scam. They farmed it out to him. So that's a nice way of saying he's an independent counsel without being called one, given the stigma associated with that. And Barr says, I, I can't I, I don't see any reason why the people who might be responsible for orchestrating this will face any kind of liability whatsoever. Fake news or not. Todd, what do you think? That's probably the truest news ever from any Republican AG, because there's just never accountability for anything. So that's not even a Bob. That's not a rip. I'm not ripping on him. That's ripping on his whole party, what it generally stands for. Um, it doesn't matter how much it takes, how much it's abused, who does the abusing. Here, here you perhaps have Obama red-handed on some level. Mm-hmm. I mean, not not a perp walk, not prison necessarily. So, and it's just like... You, Although you, I'm, I'm open to those possibilities. Oh, sure, but yeah. there's not even... I can be convinced. I don't know. It, it does... does We've, we've people give him credit in the past for great speeches. Uh, it's it, did he even use this opportunity for good theater? I mean, no. that may come up maybe in the next clip. Huh. We'll we'll see. But lame. So, Aaron, I'm going to let you go before I say anything else. Go ahead. Yeah. So, if you wondered what those politicians, those Republican politicians that you voted for all of those years that. Uh, on their campaign website, their three main claims are to cut waste, fraud, and abuse. Um, maybe even thrown in a strong supporter of the Second Amendment. Defund Planned Parenthood. Um, defund Planned Parenthood. Yes, yes. Yeah. yeah, the words coming out of Bill Barr's mouth there were that Republican incarnate. I mean, it is just a paper a paper ta- tiger. Um, we're... we're I, I'm at it. I'm 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 at my wit's end. I mean, this guy knows how to do a speech and tickle our ears. I'm talking about Bill Barr, of course. He knows how to tickle our ears when it comes to actually whether there's any there there. Why isn't Oregon's governor getting sued? Why aren't all these Democrat governors and even some Republican governors the last couple of months? Why aren't they getting by sued? the feds? You mean by, by the, the feds? feds. Yeah. Because um, they're getting sued at home, but you mean yeah, by the by feds. The, by the feds. It's, yeah. it's not like it's an election year or anything where one of the guys in question is actually running for president against United States against your the guy you work for. That's not happening, is it? Like in a couple months? Yeah. I mean, it's it's with Republicans, it seems like we come back to this every single time. 
there are opportunities for sure to grandstand for sure. I mean, especially right now, but we can't want you to win more than you want to win. Yep. Look at all of these opportunities. And uh, to be fair, I think the Kentucky governor, maybe, or maybe it was Mississippi's governor, uh, got a sternly worded warning from the DOJ uh, a few weeks ago regarding some of their policies. But other than that, there's no teeth there's no teeth. So, you know, if if you keep getting a slap on the wrist for uh, committing Grand Theft Auto, what are you going to keep doing? Grand Theft Auto. So when this story, when the pushback on Russian collusion and Flynn and all this stuff from the right emerged, there were there were two reasons why I never got involved in that. All right. One, I was wrong. I've admitted that. We even had guests on this show last week who were right about this the whole time. And while they were here, I even admitted to them I was wrong. And you were right, correct? Yeah. Okay. And, but there's another reason too. Show me any precedent. Let's say all of this is true. Show me any precedent anybody gets held accountable for this. Show me any precedent anybody goes to jail. Do you know why Julie Swetnick is still a free person? She should be in jail right now, right now. Everybody involved with the Kavanaugh hoax, prison, every one of them, all of them, or at least indictment, an attempt to put them there. Nothing, nothing. So since nothing happened for the Kavanaugh hoax, are you, not, are you shocked to learn you got the Ukrainian, collu- the Ukrainian collusion hoax? We're just gonna get more, more and more and more and more when there's no accountability, None. And why should I get all, why should, just to paraphrase what you just said, Aaron, why should I be willing to go more to the mat to hold accountable the people that tried to do a coup d'etat for a president that I didn't even actually vote for in 2016? Why should I be more willing to go to the mat for imprisoning those who attempted his coup and, his, and their collaborators than his own administration? Why, what, 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 well, there's one reason. It's good for my business to do that. But I just don't, on a on, on personal level, I don't operate that way. That's why we do things different than some others do, because um, I want to be very wealthy and successful. It's just not the driving impulse for, the dominant driving impulse for why I'm doing this. You know what I'm saying? And mm-hmm. so that that's that's the only reason I would do it. Our traffic numbers would skyrocket. Everything else would, it would enrich us to take that, to take that angle. But it's not something I really would believe in. That's why we don't. If I don't really believe in it, I'm not doing it. And I can't make myself want Donald Trump's coup plotters in prison more than him and his attorney general do. I can't make myself get there, even though it would put me on Fox and stuff if I did, but I'm just not wired to do that. That's the other reason why I didn't do it. Because I'm not shocked by this at all. Because all Bill Barr has done is a whole bunch of great speeches, not a damn thing else since he's been there. He's been great, you know, helping uh, deflect the president from terrible coup attempts, publicly in terms of the media when he testifies to Congress. But in the end, no one goes to jail. No one's held accountable for any of this. Nobody is. If the shoe was on the other foot and a bunch of hardcore right-wingers at the CIA saw Barack Hussein Obama coming and he's going to pull us out of Iraq and everything else and bow down to Saudi princes and terrorists, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And said, we, can't, we cannot let this you know, Barry Satoro figure come in here and weaken the United States like this and practice their own little shadow coup d'etat. And we're on Fox news and stuff every night, leaking stuff to Laura Ingram and everybody else every night. 
Would Eric Holder be standing up there like that yesterday oh, and saying, this is my- I just, I, you know, I, I, I can't imagine anything bad would happen to uh, George W. Bush and Dick Cheney, even though these were all their appointees and all their friends and all the people they put in power. But I can't imagine anything bad would be happening to them. I, I mean, think that would happen? They'd be in front of the Senate yesterday. Yeah, absolutely, man. With a noose around their necks and a cattle prod. Yeah. That's right. There should just be like a foam R standing up there instead of Bill Barr. That's it. It's just the magic R. Just... But he says, hey, nothing's going to happen. But he still says this was a grave injustice. And I'm committed that this election will be conducted without this kind of interference. Any effort to pursue an investigation of either candidate has to be approved by me. Now, what happened to the president, and I've said this many times, what happened to the president in the 2016 election and throughout the first two years of his administration was abhorrent. It was a grave injustice, and it was unprecedented in American history. Fake news or not, Aaron, you're up first this time. It's it's true. Uh, it, it was a grave injustice. It was abhorrent. But just the juxtaposition of those two clips back to back, I mean, it's... What are we doing here? <laughs> I mean, there is this pervasive, pervasive uh, Theoden uh, attitude prior to Helm's Deep. You know, oh, we can't we can't run out and, and confront the orcs and we can't uh, run out and confront Saruman quite yet. We need to we need to go back to Helm's Deep. Well, you know what? You're going to have to fight it someday. That's that's a fundamental, a fundamental tacit admission that you really don't understand your enemy here. And what they're doing. And this is an enemy. This is not just an opponent. An opponent prior to this would uh, maybe leak something to the press and that would be the end. It wouldn't be the impetus for a, a coup attempt. That's what we that's what we witnessed. It wouldn't be the impetus for a coup attempt. May, that would be what maybe an opponent would do. And that would be slimy and sleazy. What an enemy does is tries to take you down. And that's what happened. And if you don't recognize that. You can say all of the hyperbole you want. You can use all of the uh, flowery language that you want. You can call it abhorrent. You can call it a travesty of justice. You can use all the words that you want. But if you're not going to do anything about it, that's a tacit admission that you really don't understand what you're up against. Get out of our way so we can put maybe somebody there who does understand that. So I I chose these clips to be played out of order. So the first thing is supposed to be played first. And then we're, we, the, the, or the, the thing we just watched is supposed to be played first. And then the first thing we watch is, is what huh. comes after this. But I, I chose to play them in this order instead because I thought it would actually, Todd, be more potent if you did the chaser before the shot. You know what I'm saying? I got you. Yeah, but to see that in the end, nothing's going to happen, but this was really, really bad. Your thoughts? I'm totally with her on this. this but it's not... Tr- with this sentiment, it, but it's a, it's entirely fake news. You're not going to put down any uh, marker. You know, I will not allow. You've been allowing this, and you weren't around at the beginning, but you're a, the administration you work for has been allowing this since the very beginning. Remember, the first story that, you know, after we did not vote for Trump, 
But remember uh, the uh, the Muslim ban? Well, from there on, you, you showed, uh, other than, you know, rhetoric against, which you've been fantastic at, rhetoric against the press uh, on Twitter and in other forums and trolling them, you, you did not fight back against uh, the courts in that and said in a bar that you could be uh, pushed around on a regular basis. The press has been setting the agenda on this kind of stuff, what justice is. I predicted there would be lawsuits. And there should be there should be regular lawsuits of libel and slander against this press for how it goes out of the way to try to torpedo this president. That hasn't happened. So don't tell me you're not going to allow it. Your administration has been allowing this now for going on four years. Next clip. Some dare call it treason. We caught them, and their guys are gone. They were guarding the fort. Comey and all these guys, they were guarding the fort. And once they left, it got easier and easier. And now it's like an avalanche of really bad, call it treason, call it whatever you want. But they tried to take down a duly elected president of the United States. Todd, fake news or not? That's true. And... It's amazing that Donald Trump, who like makes it a point of pride never to get out of his own way. It's not like an accident. He doesn't know. <laughs> Can I get in my own way? Yes. Here, I'm the man. He, he actually does not call himself Donald Trump. He says a duly elected. Pre- he, that's the point. Which And people have hated the fact that, you know, I've been, when it comes to this storyline, I've been calling it my coup update. Mm-hmm. It absolutely is a coup. And it's about way bigger than the fact that he's Donald Trump or a, uh, a Republican. It's the fact yeah. that this this is a banana republic stuff. And it cannot stand. And it, it, I, I, if he could go on this point and carry it writ large it is it is the absolutely reason i'd vote for him because it's about the country we live in and it's absolutely not about a guy named donald trump aaron your thoughts that was absolutely true true news and it's it's almost i don't know if this is the correct term it's almost like um a fourth person point of view coming from donald trump there because usually it's just me first person second person third person they don't like donald trump no he's just saying in general they tried to take down a sitting president of the United States. That could be anybody. Mm-hmm. And people, and I think that's the point that Todd's, that Todd's making. Uh, so that was actually some, uh, some, some pretty salient uh, you know, observations there from Donald Trump. Now, I, I will say, having ripped on Bill Barr now a couple of times, I think he's doing a better job than Jeff Sessions. But even then, I mean, Trump, if he really wants justice, he has got to be pressuring the right people here to say hey and and you utilize his bully pulpit if nothing else he needs to utilize his bully pulpit and of course it's an election year so he probably will but justice needs to be served but unfortunately we don't have a justice department anymore it seems like is it time for the head of the cdc to resign has there ever been a more catastrophic case of technocrat bungling? Why is this man, by the way, still in his job? Dr. Death and Destruction, Robert Redfield of the CDC. Now we do have testing is because Trump got rid of regulations so the private sector could do it. Why were we running around desperately trying to get ventilators and PPE and whatever? Because the technocrat geniuses shipped manufacturing overseas and let other countries control the supply. It was Trump and Jared Kushner and his team who turned that around in record time. So now we're shipping ventilators to other countries. Todd, you're first. <laughs> this is the third. By the way, Redfield, just so you know, was is a is a is a 
decades long acolyte of Anthony Fauci. That's how yes. he got that job. So. This is the third time you've had this guy on, and Steve I've, Gleason is his name. I've yeah. never seen him in any other context. Neither have I, except these clips. Yeah, well, and he's been dead on in all three clips, and the the British accent, the bald head, and the, the his outfit. I'm starting to get a little creeped out by that. He's running some sort of cult that I might want to be a part of because he's just like <laughs> nailing it in certain respects. Um, yeah, that that's uh, true news, and it's bigger than Gleason. It's it's about our entire. Hilton. It's Steve Hilton. Oh, Hilton. I'm sorry. Thank you. It's about our entire health care leadership facade. Uh, you know, it's we, we have big questions asked about who is telling us what. You know, we take things. Remember the food pyramid when we were in school, Steve? Yeah. And we learned that like the, the crap we digest these days from trust the experts crowd needs to have at the very least a serious pause button put on it at every level after this. I because mean, did you that, know, did, that's a cult. Did you know what a celiac? like Aaron has that did you know what a celiac was when you were a kid you ever heard of anything like that never nor a peanut never, allergy never, never. Nor, no. I, I've talked about this before man we took baths in peanut butter we'd inject it into our veins we thought peanut butter was a friggin food group and the idea now that there are peanut butter allergies and all these food allergies and everything else, I, we never heard about this stuff when we were kids. No. The chicken pox vaccinations, you know, vaccinating boys for uh, for sexually active diseases yes. that only girls, you know. HPV for boys yeah. and stuff like that. Yeah. Uh, it's just, um, this is, and, and let me just tell you again, as somebody who's been involved in researching this with a group of people, you've seen them all on our show in the last few weeks, that's been involved in researching the pathology of this virus and public, how it's impacted public policy around the world with a small group of people that have probably done as much research on this as anyone in America has. Our data is the worst. It's the least transparent. It's the least organized. It's the least available. It's so much easier to get data from every other industrialized country, every single other one than our own. It's truly remarkable how terrible the CDC has been about telling us things. Most of the data that you see us do that comes from the CDC, this, this is, it didn't come from a CDC report, meaning we had to go and get their hard numbers and create the report ourselves. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. we, had to, we had to compile the data ourselves from their hard numbers because they're not, they're, they're telling you what they know without telling you what to know about what they know. They're just giving you, in other words, they're giving you nuggets of information without any real context to it. We have to apply all the context to it in the work we do. And the only country on earth with, of, any, of any magnitude whose, whose health department is this negligent or malfeasant depending on whether you think they're incompetent or something else the only country in the world this bad is ours and i promise you i promise you talk to anybody in our team they'll tell you the same thing it's there's not even a like there's not a there's not boy the u.s is cdc and blank it's our cdc stands alone as terrible at information availability and transparency with this virus compared to every other nation in the world that we can get information from aaron Yes, along those lines. Remember last week when we had that source talk about uh, Dr. Deborah Burks saying uh, nothing she can trust from the CDC is accurate and how they may be overcounting mm -hmm. uh, fatalities from COVID-19 by as much as 25%. We had that uh, case out of Colorado. Uh, where they where they were sued and then they revised their numbers of those who had passed from COVID-19 down. Here's another story out of New Jersey. 
Uh, it's changing the way it records deaths from long-term care, uh, care facilities. State will now only report uh, confirmed deaths. The toll in New Jersey now drops from 5,400 to around 4,200. That's around, I mean, that's a little bit less than 25%. But this just goes to show you as well. And these are all, these are all, I mean, all the states have been following CDC guidelines about this. And it has been bungled from the very beginning. And so, yeah, that's true news from Steve Hilton there. And it begs a very uh, uncomfortable question. We've talked a lot about the entrenched technocratic and bureaucratic state, the deep state, what have you. Uh, We've talked a lot about that. These non, uh, 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 I think, uh, NGAs or non-government organizations, things like that. It begs this very uncomfortable question. We talk about term limits all the time. What would be more effective for the public good and for public policy if members of Congress had a term limit or if bureaucrats, with the exception of the military, of course, mm-hmm. had term limits. That's a great question. That's a great, that's a great question. I think it's the latter, actually, yeah. just because that's of how the, That's entrenched. the drain the swamp mantra, Exactly. Right? Yeah. yeah. All right. One last clip. Let's switch gears, talk a different topic here. Is Joe Biden getting more aggressive in confronting Tara Reid? And if they believe Tara Reid, they probably shouldn't vote for me. I wouldn't vote for me if I believed Tara Reid. The fact is that look at Tara Reid's story. It changes considerably. And uh, and so, but I, I, I don't want to question her motive. Joining us now, Marie Harf, a Fox News contributor and former State Department spokesperson who runs the Serve America PAC. And Marie, Joe Biden is right that Tara Reid has changed her story over time with reporters. At the same time, Politico has a piece interviewing a number of people who say that over the years, Tara Reid lied to them, was deceitful, didn't pay the rent, ripped them off, and generally spoke positively about Biden. So my question is two-part. Is Joe Biden turning more aggressive in his use of television about these allegations? And are stories like the one in Politico fair game? I do think that the former vice president is getting more aggressive in uh, answering questions about these allegations. Todd, you're first. What do you think? No, that's fake news. Joe Biden isn't turning more aggressive, you know, any more than he's getting more lucid. The, you know, the, the machine behind him, whoever that may be, his campaign, the they're DNC, getting they're getting more aggressive. But that's I mean, they, could, they have to do this entire thing more than with just about any president in all of American history, somebody else other than the man himself has got to carry the load. I'll say this, though. I agree with that. But they can't do it the whole time. He has to do some of it because his name is still on the ballot, right? Well, it's okay. more than that. He's, I do think, in my opinion, that looking at it from their perspective, that's an effective line, and he delivered it effectively. Now, after he got off of that script where they clearly coached him up to say, hey, you need to make sure you say this, you deliver this home. All right, hey, if you believe this, you shouldn't vote for me. If I believe this, I wouldn't vote for me. All right. Now after that, you know, we, we get the blinking eyes and he's trying to remember where he's at after that. But they only needed that 20 second clip, right? To, to filter that out through their media channels. They just needed that one money shot, right? And he gave them that. That That is an effective, from their perspective, I do believe that's an effective tactic uh, of messaging. You agree or disagree with that? I it, I I I disagree 
only because I can't possibly see this in any bubble that lasts any amount of time. Yeah. I mean, just him and Donald Trump on stage. Yeah, Donald Trump is guilty of all the same things, but he's shameless in a way that he can't be and won't be. And, and, and it's going to look ridiculous ridiculous very very soon all right aaron what do you think so i think it's i think it's fake news because i i think that this was kind of uh lightning in a bottle type of thing for joe biden right now where he just so happened to trip into making sense for 20 seconds there because you can never count on him to go around and i mean i'm i'm this is going to sound funny, but I'm being serious. Would it have surprised you if you if he had gotten up there and said, uh, you know, you know, I, I take these allegations very seriously. And, you know, if, if you believed Tara Reid, you shouldn't vote for me. If, if I believed her, I wouldn't vote for me. And, and that's why kids loved touching the hair on my legs in the pool. And yeah. and, uh, that, and that's why we like cockroaches. <laughs> Would you have been surprised if he said that? No, that's what I heard. But but. I don't think that necessarily counters what the point I was trying to make. I, I agree with you guys on a macro level, but they only need a 20 second clip of, of silent lucidity, Queensryche, all right, to, to spread that out and make it a number one song in their channels, right? Right now they gotta, they gotta quell the uprising in their own ranks. People are like, hey, what's going on with this? Your, your, your response to this is weak. Is there some truth to this? You know, she's had multiple people come out saying she told them this story decades ago. What's going on, right? So they, they just need him to provide some Brett Kavanaugh-ish, I'm not doing, you know, I'm not going out like that. So they can have that 20 second clip and then, you know, he can fumble, he can Mr. Magoo his way through the rest at that point. And then they are the ones that then can, you know, plant the story about her credibility and stuff in Politico and things of that nature. That's all, that's all I'm saying. You know what I mean? Oh, I do know what you mean. I... By the way, I think that's fair game. I do. I think her credibility is absolutely fair game. Oh, we don't have any other evidence. I don't... So it's her word against his. I think it's absolutely fair game. I, I don't particularly think she's that credible in any more of a way than the pictures we already seen i think she probably got sniffed at some point in the past you know we've seen these pictures we know what it probably looked like what probably you know he has a sniffing fetish we yes. know that so yes. i think that absolutely happened and she's and let he among us who has not had a sniffing fetish cast the first stone i think i i speak for the whole show with that <laughs> pronouncement correct no no todd can i get a second on that or no no <laughs> The man with the four daughters. Your thoughts on every one of us has a sniffing fetish, Todd. Go. By the way, just just not coincidental follow-up question. How's your aim these days? If you know what I'm saying. Oh, there it is. There's Ron. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Saved. Saved by the bell. All right, when we come back, a little encouragement. A lot of business owners in our audience struggling right now with how to get through this, save their businesses. Talk to a buddy of mine that's come up with a unique way to try to save his and maybe help encourage you along those lines as well. Next, stay tuned. They're calling it the quarantine 15. 
because of all the sedentary lifestyles we've been living here in America for the last couple of months. And that means that a lot of our weight loss and fitness goals at the beginning of the year, they went by the wayside as well. Well, with the warmer weather here now with the month of May, why not hit the reboot button and declare May your new January and get back on track with our friends over at Riduzone. Dr. Developed Riduzone is an excellent way to curb cravings for those fattening foods that derail your discipline because it's usually not what you're eating. I mean, if you're eating 2,000 calories a day, but it's all sugar, then it, it does matter what you're eating. Most people don't do that, though. So for most of us, it's not what we're eating, but how much. And that's where Riduzone comes in. It's the only FDA accepted product that includes OEA, which is the naturally occurring molecule that helps you to feel full faster, burn stored fat, so you can reduce your portion sizes and cravings and therefore cut down on your calorie intake. If you want to give Riduzone a shot, Got an exclusive offer for you right now, only at its website, which is the only place you can get it, Riduzone.com. R-I-D-U-Z-O-N-E is the website, R-I-D-U-Z-O-N-E for Riduzone.com. And go there and use the promo code Steve to get 65% off of your first order, as well as free shipping. 65% off, as well as free shipping at Riduzone.com, promo code Steve. Well, the gentleman that uh, we're going to close out the show with here today, I got a chance to meet Scott Valencia a few years ago. And I was invited to a lunch, Scott, by a mutual friend. And he was like, hey, you got to meet this guy. He's taken over at I Right to Life. And I immediately rolled my eyes and said, I, I'm, I'm going to have other lunch plans. Okay. Um, I don't think that's, that's going to be a fun lunch. Um, I'd, I'd had some of my own little run-ins with uh, a, a couple of the, uh, the pro-life leadership here in our state. And um, it was a disagreement uh, in opinion and tactics. Like, should we actually make Republicans show us their pro-life or not, or just let them just talk about it? That was really the, was that a fair description of the disagreement we had? Todd, is, that's at least my read on it. Maybe the other side might have a different view, but my read on it was, should Republicans actually be forced to show us they really are pro-life? Why do you hate old people, Steve? Yeah, well, that was some of the replies that <laughs> yes. I got. Okay. And I was told, no, no, this guy, this new guy's coming in from corporate America. All right. And he's results oriented, doesn't care about, you know, banquets and, you know, glad handing, wants to get results. He's, he's committed in his church. He's an activist. He, he ain't do, he ain't got free time. He's doing this because he wants to get results. And so I went into this thinking, all right, I'm going to have to like completely change this guy's mind and everything else. And he was, already, he was, way, he was already ahead of me. He was already like ahead of me about what he had observed. We were, they were doing wrong, what, what needed to be done to get it done right. And I actually ended up listening far more than I typically do in, in, in most meetings, even if I don't know what I'm talking about. I just keep talking usually anyway, because that's what I'm trying to do. So he's a performer of miracles is what you're saying. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. We're going to touch the hem of his hat uh, that he gave me here. Uh, I survived Corona 2020 was the hat that he gave me that we've got here on the desk. So Scott Valencia is here from Iowa Right to Life, but he's also a business owner. And Scott, I have gotten a slew of emails from listeners around the country, particularly in these blue states that are really hesitant about opening up. I'm going to lose, you know, my my pet grooming business. I've gotten those notes. My salon, my rest, our, our restaurant. You know, we put our whole family into this. It's it's been the family business, or it's we started doing it, and and just when it looked like it was going to turn around and get profitable, and now it may never come back. And I, I you come from. The, a bigger corporate sector, but now you're a local business owner too. That's correct. And you've got some experience dealing in this arena that I don't. 
Uh, we, I mean, I own this business, but we've been blessed to to not have to face that because we're doing a service that on a platform that people think that they they can't do without right now, given where the lack of news and facts currently is. So we've actually grown during this process, but that's unique for what's happening across the board. So I thought, given what I heard you were doing, I wanted to bring you in for some time here today and just offer some encouragement to other entrepreneurs and business owners that are out there going through the same thing. So tell us a little bit about your business and even in a state with an aggressive reopening governor, the challenges that you're facing right now. Sure. Thank you very much. So um, we uh, own a restaurant here in Iowa. It's the historic Northside Cafe. Uh, the restaurant is one of the oldest restaurants in the state. We're 144 years old this year. And, uh, you know, in December, we were sitting down planning our strategy for the next six years, building to our 150th anniversary, a huge landmark, when, you know, this thing called Corona, you know, virus hits. Mm -hmm. And, you know, overnight, you know, we're, we're being told that for the first time in 144 years, we're being told that we need to shut down. And, uh, you know, like most Americans, we figured, okay, we're going to play along. We're going to do the right thing and, and everything else. And, and uh, what, what nobody really looked at is the far-reaching implications that, that this was going to have. Just beyond just going ahead and closing down and missing your customers for a very short period of time. But um, we are a, um, a tourist-based business. We, we're in Winterset, Iowa. And Where the bridges of Madison County are, and, and John Wayne's birthplace, and so I mean, people flock to this community, particularly in the when the this time of year, you know, every year. Right, and yeah. and in our business specifically, we get uh, you know people from about eighteen different countries every single year that come in, mm -hmm. uh, buses every single week, um, a lot of catering and things like that, and with the fear that people have had because of this virus, they've canceled everything for the entire year. Um, in a very short window, not only was I not getting my daily customers that would come inside, um, being 80% tourism. Um, Where you can't do curbside pickup without tourists, right? right. Yeah. But I lost 30,000 confirmed meals within a three-week period of time. Wow. And that's, wow. that's our base. A lot of mom and pop businesses rely on a base that they can look at mm -hmm. year in and year out. And then every year try to you know build on that base in order to see profit. Which means you didn't have anything to go to your suppliers to buy from them, which means now your the supply chain gets wrecked because your suppliers are like, well, what do we do with all this excess food that restaurants like yours aren't going to be buying right, right. now? It's, right? It's, an, it's not just the, the demise of uh, the mom and pop businesses and everything else. It's It's the total demise of an ecosystem that's very fragile mm -hmm. um, and and people aren't realizing that we the big box stores or the big box restaurants you know they want to make sure that they survive and they have buying power so not even if I were to able to open my doors tomorrow my resources in order to handle the customers that would come in has been completely diminished like Wendy's right now has turned itself into a, a mini Chick-fil-A because of the beef shortage so they're out there buying every chicken breast that Chick-fil-A hasn't already gotten his hands on and then a restaurant like yours on a local level, you're lucky if, if, at what's left over at that point, right? Right. I went to bed paying $38 a case for organic chicken breasts and woke up at $109 a wow. case. Wow. That's that's like, what is that, like four times? Yeah, four, yeah, almost four times. Same thing with beef. I mean, uh, my beef producer, we buy... Um, uh, fresh beef on a regular basis, on a daily basis, and did that. Um, he is now completely cutting for grocery stores, and he said that he won't be able to supply us till December. 
Wow. Just hit the pause button on the economy. Netflix and chill. It's going to be cool. Right. That's right. I was, just, I was assured that's how this whole thing works. <laughs> so having come from the corporate sector, you were very aware that this is not how this whole thing works. That's correct. Right? So, but, but now you're trying to think outside the box. How do we keep this thing going? And so I wanted you first to share, as you just did, you've got a common plight with way too many people, sadly, in our audience. Yep. Then I wanted you to you to share some of your own ingenuity about what you guys are doing or going to launch here soon to, to try to, to keep this afloat. And then if it's successful, how you want to use it to help other people and pay it forward. Certainly. So first, I'm going to state that when this happened, I, as a business owner, sadly to say, was as guilty as everybody else in America and looked at it as, oh, this could be a paid vacation. Mm -hmm. Uncle Sam saying that, don't worry about it. We're going to cut you a check. There's these grants. There's these loans that you'll be able to get at a low interest rate. Don't worry about it. We got you covered. So like many Americans and small businesses, we applied for the, uh, the disaster loans and things like that. No small business got it. They all went to corporate America. Places like Ruth Chris and things like that got massive loans at 2 or 3%, but none of the small businesses did. Um, they re refunded it, didn't get it the second time around. And then we quickly realized that you know, we should have been doing what we sh what we normally do all along, which is we have to take care of ourselves. Right. American the Americans are built on sweat equity. Our businesses that's the backbone of our businesses. And when we allow the government or anybody to come in and say, Don't worry, there's an easier way, when you take that easier way, what do you get? Right. What right. we have right now. So um, realizing that we probably, after 144 years, would not survive this if we didn't do something quickly, uh, both families, it's a two-owner family, two families uh, own the business, we um, got together and we decided we were going to put together what we call the Novel Corona Cookbook, which <laughs> is 19 recipes that use Corona beer as their base, because uh, it's, nice. the, it's the coronavirus, 19, uh, uh, COVID-19. Um, but we decided that wasn't enough to just put that in there. We believe that whenever you do something, it should be you know a fair product for a fair price. Mm -hmm. And at the end of this, if I survive 2020, it's not going to do me any good if those customer bases and coming back in, right. if I can't activate right. them against next year. Yeah. So we decided what we weren't going to sell was a cookbook. What we did is on the front page of that cookbook is a gift certificate for a what we call our... Um, uh, Mexican jerk tenderloin. It's a, a tenderloin with the Mexican jerk sauce, again, made with Corona beer. And you get a beer or a soft drink with that. And you bring in your book, we stamp it, we give you the meal. And so the cookbook kind of comes free. And what you're doing is you're purchasing your meal for 2021 or nice. further. Nice. Because we want people to come in and we want to start building the industry. So then we said the book still isn't big enough. So what we did was created a history 30 pages with photographs and everything else of why you would want to save a small town business in america and so it's here's the museums here's what's going on here's the hard work we do very cool and then the last 30 pages are photographs of in chronological order what the coronavirus has done to and our personal imp uh, impressions so mm -hmm. my daughter getting up one morning and seeing her and her senior friends being told, no graduation. school's closed, yeah. no graduation, no prom, prom yeah. plays, everything's over. Kind of a where were you on September 11th? Mm -hmm. Because you have a visceral reaction. Sure. And so 117 pages totally in the book. Um, if we sell 30,000 copies, which is our goal, we save the restaurant. We make $5 margin on each book. 
Um, that doesn't cover all our losses, but it covers all the main bills that we have for the year. And I don't need a handout. What I want is an honest hand up to make sure that I can survive to run my business next year. Mm -hmm. And then we had some people go, well, you can make a lot of money on this. And then we made a decision that every thousand books after that, we cut that $5,000 check to a mom and pop restaurant somewhere in the United States that needs the exact same thing. Nice. So... We said 30,000 books saves our, our, our restaurant, but 100,000 can restart an industry. And someone challenged us and said, well, how does $5,000 a pop helps restart an industry? Well, we did the math. There is about $450 worth of ingredients that you need in order to do those recipes in the book. At 30,000 books, we have the potential to pump $14 million back into the chain that's being destroyed right now, which mm -hmm. is our the, the supply chain for the food and restaurants, mm -hmm. if people build those recipes. Um, we sell 100,000 books. We can pay 5,000 to two restaurants any place uh, in every state in the United States and put 50 million back into the grocery economy. That's our pork industry. That's all kinds of industries. Is everybody going to make every recipe? We don't know, but every business is responsible for helping being part of the solution. This was our little piece. Phenomenal. I mean, I think it's phenomenal outside the box ingenuity thinking. And I love the, 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 the part at the end too, about trying to pay this forward to help other people facing the exact same situation you guys are in. So in the couple of minutes we have left, how can they get the book? When is it available? Any other pertinent information that everybody needs to know that's that's watching or listening right now? Certainly. So the book is going on pre-sale. Um, it goes on at 5 o'clock this evening. You can either go to our Facebook page, and we have a button there, which is just simply Northside Cafe, um, or you can go to www.historicnorthsidecafe.com. There's a store set up. There's also merchandise online like the hat. 100% of the profits for any merchandise that's being sold goes to the local museum museums like the John Wayne Museum and the Historic Museum and everything else because they're in the same boat as mm -hmm. we are. No one should be getting rich off of this. We need to make sure that the money's going back into the economy so we can move forward as quickly as we can. Historicnorthsidecafe.com is the website? Yes, sir. All right, one more time. Historicnorthsidecafe.com. You brought some uh, some lunch that we're going to sample here when we sign off here in a couple of minutes. You want to let everybody know what you brought? Sure. It is the Mexican jerk uh, tenderloin. So we have been... It's Iowa, so we got to have some yeah, pork. It, it, yes. is, it is an Iowa pork sandwich. It is um, uh, local, organic pork pork we buy directly from the farmers have a processed we're very excited about getting this out there hopefully you guys will enjoy it hey thanks for coming in man and Thank appreciate you. what you're doing with this i think i think it's really really cool so historicnorthsidecafe.com that's the website if you want to check out the cookbook historicnorthsidecafe.com all right gentlemen any final thoughts Todd, I'll start yeah, with yeah this is the second time now in the last three weeks where you have brought in an iowan that you've known we had caleb in uh, the uh, farmer, farmer on the front lines of the supply uh, chain listen, yeah. it, that two for two now america if you're paying attention scott and caleb you would rather have them elected to office and running helping run direct any single part of your life more than the normal clowns that you get so the question you need to start asking yourself is why do you keep relying on the normal clowns because you've just been given a test case of what a real iowan a real american who understands the, the greatness of the country they live in small business owners farmers if you give the if you take your country back this place can and will be glorious again but if we keep taking it out of the hands of men like this guy 
Just wait you're for the bureaucrats. Get, you're going to get the, what you wait deserve. For, wait for the latest uh, stimulus bill and, and for government on high to, to tell us what to do. Exactly. Aaron. Yeah, I mean, that's uh, it, it is striking because a lot of a lot of people, too many people just think, oh, I just go to the store and the, you know, the meat fairy or the chicken fairy, the beef fairy just kind of <laughs> shows up every night and restocks the shelves and hearing these stories about really the front lines, how the business owners are being affected, who actually understand how the supply chain works. When you go to to a restaurant, it's not just the, the, the chicken and beef fairy showing up again. No, these things are affected and affected big time as well. And even partial reopenings as well. You know, it's still it, it's still very, very difficult for business owners. 50%. I mean, you you obviously owning your own business, Scott, could speak of this, but I would imagine 25% capacity, even 50% capacity you're still that's still a loss leader for you and when it comes to all of the staff you got to pay and all of the food you still have to prepare for a crowd that may or may not show up these things have long lasting impacts and it's encouraging to hear that you're making really uh, the cliche is overused you are making lemonade out of out of lemons here so more power to you man thank you sir and if nothing else, hopefully it encourages other uh, business owners in our audience as well to kind of look around and see what resources you had to think outside the box along those same lines. That's going to do it for today. We're going to stick around and do the overtime with a tribute to Ravi Zacharias. Until tomorrow, back at it again, uh, John 317. This is Steve Dace. On the Blaze Radio Network.